so much more beneficial to give people strategies and tools to live their life. Whether you're two weeks postpartum, six weeks postpartum, six years postpartum, like if this is the activities that you need to do in your life, let's teach you and find ways to do them and ways to know that if your body is ready for that or not yet. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, friends. It's Surabi, and I'm so excited to bring on one of my friends today, Jamie Straker. And Jamie and I met online. This is how people make friends these days is all online. And we met online on Instagram and we're both pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaches. And Jamie actually put together um, a holiday workout series back in December of 2020. And it really brought together so many amazing fitness um professionals, coaches, and trainers from across the world. And um, since then, we've been friends. And I love following Jamie for her energy, her passion, um, and her just her whole way of presenting pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. So I'm going to do an official introduction of Jamie too. Uh, Jamie is the owner of JS Fitness, a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach and a mom of two. Jamie has a passion for educating people and motivating and supporting them to move their bodies in ways that empower them and allow them to feel strong through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Before having children, Jamie was an elementary school teacher, but after her own experiences with preparing for labor and birth, movement during pregnancy, and healing from a prolapse and diastasis during her postpartum recovery, she saw a need for educating women and creating fitness opportunities where people feel safe and strong in their bodies during this special time. Hello, Jamie. Welcome today. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am pretty pumped to be chatting with you. Um, so cool that you were an elementary school teacher before. And also knowing you, that makes total sense. You have to have so much energy to be uh, an elementary school teacher. And it's really cool that you bring that experience um, into what you do today. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about your journey into the work that you do now? Um, so I, when I had my daughter, my oldest, my firstborn, I... Um, kind of had no knowledge around what happens to your body during pregnancy. How on earth does a baby come out of your body? And I, I took like the traditional labor prep courses and still was like, I am terrified of this. And even like in terms of moving my body, right? Cause the information I was given by my care provider was just, yeah, do whatever. It's okay. You're fine. Like, right. So, okay. Like, there was no guidance or um, context, I think, for any of the the advice that was given. Um, so I just kind of carried on life as normal um, during pregnancy, went into labor and birth terrified, recovered as normal, like, you know, the, oh, you're, you're healed four weeks after a 
after a C-section. And uh, mm. so to me, that meant, okay, I'm healed. And off I went for a 5K run because 5K was short. That was easy, right? Um, yeah, for what you were used to, I guess, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So then that was my experience after my first. And then um, we moved and I had a little bit more guidance during my pregnancy with my second in terms of exercise, but it was still very like, don't do this. You can't do this. You're mm-hmm. pregnant, you know, and the kind list of limiting, of right? Yeah. 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 Which I think was the information that we had as trainers, I guess, five years ago, but things have yeah. evolved so much now. And I think of like how I felt during that pregnancy, like I just wanted to move in ways that made me feel good. But then I felt like that was wrong or there was so much fear placed around yeah. that. that. Yeah. Do some harm to yourself or yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and then um, after in my postpartum recovery, same thing, like it was wait this long, only do these things, be so careful again with not a ton of context around it. So I think it just was really important to me as I started my own business that people didn't feel that fear around movement because Mm. I think people should be supported to move their bodies in ways that make them happy because that, that mental aspect is just as important as the physical aspect. And I think the more that we learn about how strong women are throughout pregnancy, postpartum and forever, the more we learn that maybe these restrictions aren't necessary or helpful or beneficial to anyone right yeah I think there is um, a huge like fear tactic or fear approach to healthcare where it's and I think it comes down to liability it's like I want to protect my license so I'm just going to tell this person to not do all these things because they may or may not create some risk to that person but you know we've we've learned like how much of that is actually evidence-based and how much of it is just like somebody's opinion and then that gets copied for years and years and years and now people are starting to realize like wait a second like are these actually true or are these just like opinions um and does it apply to everybody because everyone is so different now when you had your first so you've kind of moved all over the place too so how was navigating that because I know as a new mom or expecting mom you know having support around you like family or friends social support um, can be really helpful as well as you know being in an environment that you're that you know and you're familiar with so can you talk a little bit about that um the support systems that I had or that I found yeah Yeah. because you moved before you or you were in a new place when you had your first mm -hmm. child yeah I found out so we moved to Arizona um to Phoenix area when I was oh like 12 weeks pregnant with Everly um so yeah that was hard to navigate finding a system or a support system during pregnancy because for me being active was how I met people and how I stayed connected to people and I didn't think that I could go to fitness classes and mm. I, I didn't want to do like prenatal yoga. That wasn't something that excited me. So then I just <laughs> didn't find it, didn't find anybody really until postpartum when I found um, the a stroller exercise group and made some friends with kids the same age and then had that little network who I'm still friends with lots of them. So we would That's get awesome. together every day and it was good. So we Part of the reason that we moved back to Edmonton when I was pregnant with my son, my second was because that's where our family was and that support, I was looking for that support 
So that's how we moved back back to the cold. I, yeah, I know. I was going to say you went from like really warm, really hot, dry to, to cold. Um, yeah. I, and how was, did you find that the people around you, like the people you're doing your stroller fit classes with, did they have similar issues that you were going through? Um, you know, either diastasis or prolapse or questions about their recovery, like what's safe and what's not? Yeah, I think that we... Um, it wasn't talked about, actually, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest, especially after um, Everly. Like, so that would have been about seven years ago. Like, I remember feeling things that just were not quite right down there, you know, like feeling like a heaviness. But I was just like, oh, well, we've had a baby. There we go. Like, yeah. Just assumed that that was part yeah. of how your body would feel forever. And it wasn't until I started to learn more, actually, I took... Um, got involved with a group in Edmonton of um, people who specialized in pre and postnatal fitness, but then started educating myself. And I took the mm. Girls Gone Strong course was the first one that I took. And I was like, hmm, cool. maybe that sensation that I'm feeling doesn't have to be all the time. Maybe that's telling me something. So then I, I saw a public health physiotherapist and found out that I had um, a grade two prolapse and also um, some diastasis. So we worked through that and yeah, recovered after him. And that's the, that's the funny thing I found after my first two, like I knew I had a huge diastasis because it was visual and I could see like a massive cone falling out of me. And it was, it was very drastic to what I had experienced, like my body pre-baby. But the prolapse is interesting because you're pregnant for so long and you kind of forget what normal is in your pelvic area and then you have a baby and you're like yeah is this how it just always feels and looks and like how many of us look down there regularly before we have kids and so oftentimes there's this like disconnect to like oh this is so different this is so abnormal but then maybe that was your normal and then on the flip side is maybe you just don't even remember what normal felt like because it's been so long Right. Um, so I, I see that with a lot of people with kind of milder prolapses is like they're just not sure if what they're feeling is just normal or um, until it's gone, until those symptoms are gone. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. Right. Or like it's just like it's just a small thing. Right. So yeah, carry yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that, you know, you, you have a grade two, I have a grade one. It's like you can strengthen your body in ways where you're not feeling those symptoms all the time and of course depending on the degree and severity of your your prolapse or or symptoms that Mm -hmm. can vary but can you tell me about the types of things that have supported your body um, to function with few symptoms or with as little symptoms as possible what kind of strengthening what kind of exercises do you like to do yeah I found that just educating myself and trying different things and learning more about what I need and when my symptoms are worse versus better and then incorporating more of those things when my symptoms are less so that um, I don't feel them as often. Um, Mm -hmm. So I in particular feel like a heaviness in through my pelvic floor, mostly when I'm doing like jumping jack type movements or is when I used to. It's come to a point now where I don't even um, think about it anymore. I don't feel it or experience it anymore. But I used to find like if... um, say like 
your bowel movements weren't, or my bowel movements weren't regular, then my symptoms would increase. Um, mm. If I um, was stressed, I could feel it more, um, just like holding tension in my pelvic floor. Yes. So then my symptoms would get worse. And I also found like thinking about it a lot. So for me, it's that one exercise. So if I knew there were jumping jacks, I would on, I would like avoid it or tense up and then feel those symptoms more. And I started to notice that when I was teaching classes, I didn't feel those symptoms. I didn't notice them because I was so busy thinking about what else was going on around me versus what was going on in my body. So the more that I came um, tuned into that, then I was able to just kind of forget about it and stop worrying about it, stop trying to alter my breath and just kind of let my body do what it needed to do. It seemed to help for me. That was something that worked. I actually, that's one of the things that I love about group fitness in particular is people are more focused on just like following along and having fun and they're less focused on like getting in their head about their symptoms, which can actually be really beneficial for people with prolapse or even diastasis who have that um, anxiety or stress about their symptoms or kind of worry about their symptoms because that was me too the more I think about it the more I feel it I'd be going out for you know a ski or a bike ride or I didn't I never got back to running after my first because of the messaging I was told but if I was out exercising with friends I wouldn't feel those symptoms but if I was out for a ski by myself I'd be like oh I pushed it too much so much heaviness So, you know, it really goes to show that it's not a physical, it's not just a physical thing. There's a huge mental component to it, which we all benefit from kind of addressing. Yeah. It was, um, what, this was after your second, right? After you had your second, that's when you had more symptoms? um, The symptoms, I think, remained the same. I noticed them first after, after my first, after my daughter, but then I didn't do anything about it until after my second so the Mm -hmm. symptoms didn't change they remained about the same and another great thing for those of you who have had a child, experienced prolapse, I know is a big fear. Oh my gosh, is it going to get get worse if I have another child? And that's not true. It's it's not always going to get worse. Sometimes it stays mm-hmm. the same. For someone like me, I have had little to no symptoms after my second, and I, I was highly symptomatic after my first. So, you know, it's it's not always going to get worse. So don't um, don't kind of worry about that because. If it was going to get worse, you can't control that anyway. Yeah, so true. Um, And let's talk a little bit about, you know, finding, you talked about it already, like finding your own journey through postpartum, finding Mm -hmm. your own way to, you know, strengthen and tune into what was making you feel the best. Can you tell me about some of the shoulds or some of the pressures and expectations that are put on people who are postpartum or pregnant? Um, and you know, how you navigated some of those yourself, some of the expectations that, you know, you should do this exercise, you shouldn't do that, or you should progress in this way. Right. Yeah. I think it's just been in like the last couple of years of the more I've learned or, um, surrounded myself with people who support that way of thinking and promote that way of thinking that I've started to see the value and how powerful people finding their own journey can be, right? Versus being told, no, don't do this, don't do that. You can't do that. Um, So I just, I think that 
for me, like that was how I moved during my pregnancies. That was how I moved in postpartum, but never really bought into it and always felt this like fight that like, this is not really sitting with me. I feel like I should be doing something different, but I'm told that I can't. And you know, like you wanted, I wanted to move in ways that were safe. I wanted to do what I was supposed to do. I wanted to check those boxes. And then now in reality, um, maybe it would have been better off had I done something different or been able to feel supported in leaning into those sensations, those feelings, because I think your body, your mind, they tell you what you need. And we just are so It's the intuition, right? It's like, we're so, we're conditioned to ignore our intuition and go with this standard set of norms or the standard set of rules and guidelines with, which completely ignores you, who you are as a person Mm -hmm. before you have a baby ignores your strength your own preferences and goals and it's just like blanket nope avoid climbing avoid running avoid this um and I think that that tends to hold people back so much more because pregnancy shouldn't be a fear fear thing like shouldn't be scared of doing anything in pregnancy pregnancy should be celebrated as like something joyful and yes I know the nausea sucks and the fatigue is awful (laughs) and everything but you know society looks at pregnancy as if it's like oh you're just a fragile little flower you're gonna break if you do anything out of this list right yeah um and you know who like who profits from that fear that's induced for pregnant people and postpartum people like we when we step back and think about like why is that fear there it's not just for the best interest for the person right and you know who's making money off it there's yeah. probably healthcare professionals right diet culture um you know there's just this mistrust or distrust of mothers right that they yeah. have any intuitive wisdom of how to raise their babies raise themselves yes. as mothers yeah. Yeah, because if you have this fear, then you need other things, right? Like if I do this diet, I'm a good mom, or if I buy this product, or if I follow what this person says, versus being told, like, I, we both value teaching people how to mm-hmm. listen and tune in so that they don't need us forever. I don't, I mean, I'm happy to work with people. If I, if you enjoy spending time with me, go ahead. But yeah. know that I don't want anyone to feel like they need me because they don't, yes. right? Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And I think that's where we've both talked about this too. <laughs> like, it's like, you need to go see pelvic physio after you have a baby. No, you don't. You don't need to go see anybody. It's all, yes, there's amazing pelvic PTs who can support you. There's amazing coaches who can support you. But mm-hmm. you don't have to do any of that if you don't want to and you don't need it. And I yeah. think there's this pressure now, and I can see why, because for the longest time, people didn't know pelvic physio existed. And now yeah. they're like, we exist. Come see us. You must see us. But anytime it becomes like the must or the like should. mandatory, you just have to. Yeah, they should, right? It's like, I, like I have clients who I see virtually who don't want to go see a pelvic PT, and they're like, I'm good, and they have prolapse or diastasis. They're right. like, Yeah, but I'm happy. I don't like want to see one. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy yeah. doing this. Happy strength training, and you know, if you're listening to this and you're like oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed as a new mom. I have all these things that I'm supposed to do, all these appointments I have to go to. And I find particularly for mothers who have less like family or friend or social support, it's it's overwhelming. 
Um, as well for mothers who have had, let's say, a child in the NICU or a child yeah. with special needs, you know, when they were born. And that already adds another element of uh, mental distress. And then we don't want to be putting added pressure on the mom to do more things. Right. And like we just talked about before, the impact that adding stress and adding fear places on people can be just as harmful as it, potentially yeah. like all the other things, right? Like living I know. with I feel whatever that. they're living I with. I felt that because like my personal experience was, you know, I did all the checkbox. I went to pelvic PT <laughs> during pregnancy. I did my Kegels and my core sets and all that I went postpartum I listened to everything textbook and then my rehab was like bridges and monster walks and go live your life and it was like can I run oh well you know might make it worse and it's like okay I don't want to make anything worse so I just decided not to run not to jump and the life that I led then was fear like literally everything was fear induced Uh, or would induce fear and now I just look back on that time and I think of like how did someone like how did I get there and you and I are in kind of the healthcare field the fitness field Um, or I guess you got into it after you had kids Mm -hmm. right were you in it before at all when you were a teacher did you also teach fitness at the same time Uh, lots of coaching 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 sports and yeah Okay, so you had some experience, you know, working with people and in, in, in fitness in general. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's so interesting. Do you, what, what do you find in, you know, in terms of the work that you do with your clients, either one-on-one or group, you know, what are the conversations that you have with people to help them discover that they are indeed strong and that they are not doing themselves a service if they're just living in fear? Yeah, I think listening to people is huge, right? That we're there for them and that their fear or what they're experiencing or feeling in their bodies are valid and and okay to feel. Um, and then also I love to push people's boundaries. Like we talk a lot about like, what what do you need today? And then where kind of where are you at and can we nudge that where you're at that like fence just a little bit further like yesterday in class we were doing um just bear crawls so where you just lift your knees a little bit up off the floor so you're in like a tabletop position lift your knees Mm -hmm. a little bit off the floor and I've had some um people attending that class for quite a while they're further along and I've watched them I said what happens if you add a shoulder tap say and they're a little bit hesitant to say, well, try it, right? And they did it. And sure enough, they did it just fine, right? Like just yeah. that, yeah, we tested, we tried, they did it, and now we move on. But I think that just allowing people that freedom to try things and explore movement, and if it works for you, great, carry on, let's build from there. If it doesn't, that's also okay. We'll try again in another day, or we'll go another direction. Like, I think just giving them support to explore and and find ways that ways to move that make them happy on each given yes. day. Yes. Bring them joy and bring them yeah, movement's supposed to make you feel better, not make totally. you feel like you're and that's my my whole beef with like postpartum rehab is sometimes it's so boring that people just <laughs> don't do it because it's so boring. And you know, as you and I know people and as every mother knows like you're walking around a few days 
the day after you have a baby the same day you're walking around you're picking up your baby so to then go back and say okay you can't do all those things you must lie on a table and just do like core activation and giggles isn't really helpful um right for for many people it's some for some it might work but for many people it's not helpful and I love what you said about listening to mothers and you you didn't say this outright, but it sounds like also what you're getting at is like you also believe what they say um, and you kind of trust them, right? You trust that they, their bodies are working, that they're, they've got it. And even if they don't believe in themselves, you, you believe in them. And I think that that right. is such a huge gift um, that, you can, that you give your clients. Yeah, something we often talk about is like when we say try something new, then we tune in, right? Like, how did that feel? Was that better? Was that worse? Was that the same? Do you want to keep doing it that way? And really put them in the driver's seat of it. Like, I'm just a facilitator here. Yes. And I think some people rely on other people to tell them. Women, like women in particular, like we've been told, be good, listen to others, be polite don't have your own opinions like you know and I think that postpartum it's magnified right it's like they're always asking like okay is this okay but it's like okay let's flip that back on you how do you feel in that movement yeah and you know start to develop that self-trust yeah lots of people Um, often ask right like is this safe I don't know is it safe (laughs) let's find out (laughs) well and I, I think back to like think about you know someone an Olympic athlete, they have injuries too, right? And they're not like, okay, I did my rehab exercises. Am I safe to go walking again? Like, you know, it's like you do your work and then you go back to it. Can there be further injury in the future? Sure. Anyone can be more injured and more symptomatic. But that doesn't mean that it's still not worthwhile doing the the strengthening and the the work because it's going to just make your body more capable of kind of recovering. So true. Yeah. What was the one, um, what was the big fear that you had with your own, with your own body recovering postpartum? Did you have any fears? What was, yeah, what was, what was it like for you? Um, I think that probably my big, like I didn't have any physical fears, like worried about say making my prolapse worse or necessarily injuring myself. I think that my fear came around doing it wrong because Mm. I was told the messaging then was that there's this is the way that you recover you wait your six weeks and then you start with your breath and then it's so slow but like I had two children I remember like running around breastfeeding lifting my toddler up onto the toilet because that was life because I was by myself at home at like four weeks postpartum what am I going to do, right? So yet I'm told that I have to wait till I'm six weeks with that check to do anything. Like, so then that fear, like, oh no, I'm doing this wrong. I'm, I'm harming myself in some way, I think was just more the, the pressure that I felt. I I felt that too with my second because I was like, oh, I'm not going to lift anything for the first few weeks. I'm just going to like not lift up my toddler. (laughs) And then I, I miss lifting her up. You know, I was like, I I will I'm not going to carry I'm not going to walk for two kilometers with you but you know doing those things I think is important because it brings us joy too as as mothers as parents um and knowing that our body is capable and strong enough that it's not going to like break (laughs) if you lift your toddler up a few times or if you 
you know, do some dishes, right? We we do yeah. want to let ourselves heal and not go overboard doing all the chores, scrubbing all everything all the time. Yes. But I think Absolutely. most people aren't going to do that. Most people don't have the energy or the time when you have a newborn and other kids at home anyway. It's more let's not make people afraid. And especially yeah. post-C-section, right? Because you said you had a C-section w- yeah. with both of them or with, th- with your first? With, with both of them, yeah. And there's almost more rigid guidelines for C-sections um, yeah. with like don't lift and, you know, don't walk upstairs and all that yeah. stuff. Like don't you think it would be so much more beneficial to give people strategies and tools to live their life, whether you're two weeks postpartum, six weeks postpartum, six years postpartum, like if this is the activities that you need to do in your life, let's teach you and find ways to do them and ways to know that if your body is ready for that or not yet. Mm-hmm. How do you check in? Yeah. How do you yeah. know? So you can progress yeah. yourself and you're not waiting for someone else to tell you like, yes, yes, you can climb that extra step and that will be okay. Right? Um, it's true. And I think that when we start giving our clients back the power you know, that their body has, I think it's a huge, um, like a, an aha moment for them because yeah. they're like, oh, like I can, I'm way stronger than I thought it was. And yeah. I can reach my goals way faster because I'm not holding myself back. I think it allows for variability, right? Like somebody might be ready to go for that 2K walk at two or four weeks postpartum, but the next person might not be ready. And that's okay. That's kind of the beautiful thing about postpartum is that it's different for everybody. But by saying there's only one way to do things or you have to wait a certain amount of time, then we take out that individualization of the whole process. It's so true. And when we think about how we got to where we are today, like everyone has a different journey. Everyone's lived in different places, has a different parents and siblings and schools and, you know, whatever way we learn. So it's funny that we imagine then postpartum to be like the unique or the same experience like oh well my friend had this and she went she was able to do this why can't I or you know right it's like and even like people labor and birth right like there's oh yes two ways to give birth you know like there's all these things that I think we put these standards on or these blanket statements on for women during these times of their life I don't know, whatever reason, I'm sure we could talk about that for forever, but. I think, I mean, I ultimately think it's like patriarchy (laughs) and like, it just makes money. It like makes people money, right? You keep women feeling insecure about their bodies. You keep making women think that they need other people's permission to do everything. It's like another way to control them. So I think that's the other thing. Women are so, like, I see this, especially in pregnant people, Um, So if you're pregnant and listening to this, you know, many people say, oh, I asked my OB if I could give birth in other positions and they said no. But it's like you don't need to ask somebody's permission to give birth. You are the person birthing. Unless there is a strong medical reason, you have to be on your back. Like if your OB is not qualified to catch the baby because they just didn't learn how, that's their problem, not yours. And so there's no reason to increase the risk of tearing or intervention because your OB is not trained. Yes. adequately and Absolutely. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to but and like I've talked to this with my midwife too and she you know she says the same thing she's like yeah they just aren't trained to do it in different ways 
midwives are often trained to catch babies on your hands and knees on your side and standing and it's just the way that people are trained and you don't need to be asking permission for your own body it's your body and your baby and you know I want you to remember that if you're listening to this yes like they're conversations that you are entitled to have with your birth care provider if that's what you want and I think that, again, like we talk about exploring your body movement and pregnancy and postpartum, same thing during labor and birth, right? I think you should just be allowed that freedom. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of the times people don't even know that they have the right to ask mm-hmm. and they don't know that they have the right to demand because we, again, live in such a patriarchal medical system. And I get it. As a healthcare provider, can it be annoying when everyone's asking you to do something a different <laughs> way? Maybe, sure. But that's also your job. You're providing individualized care. You're not doing like group birthing at the same time. Like it should be individualized. Um, but yeah, we don't see that. And I remember asking, so I, li- I live in Toronto and one of my clients was a labor and delivery nurse at Sunnybrook. And this was before I had kids. And, you know, we were thinking about having a child. And I asked him like, oh, what's your like, what's your intervention rate? And she's like, oh, like everyone gets interventions. And she's like, okay. maybe like 97%. And that shocked me. I was like, oh, that's exactly why I didn't personally want a hospital birth. And fortunately, I things happened in a way that I could have home births, but that terrified me. And talking to my midwife, and she's at a different hospital. She works at a different hospital. And she says, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Like, it's high 90s. So... Mm Knowing that in advance, you know, having that straight conversation with your care provider, whether it's a midwife, a family physician, an OB, and saying like, I am scared of interventions or I don't want interventions. Mm-hmm. What, how can we make this happen so I don't have that? Yeah. Um, and same thing postpartum. I, I had somebody, t- mm. yes, I had a client who was told by her doctor to go see a pelvic physiotherapist in person that she needed to do that and this mom has four kids and it's she's got a busy life we're we're working together virtually and again not to throw shade on physicians because they know a ton of stuff but they're not experts in postpartum recovery and they don't even understand what pelvic pts do never mind what somebody can still do virtually and to then tell the person no this isn't enough even though the person's feeling so much better and say no but you should go do this is almost taking away their that person's trust in themselves and in the in the people that they want in their care um so this is this is a huge conversation. If you're listening to this and you're a physician <laughs> or you know physicians, have these conversations because they're important, you know. And yeah. I reached out to the physician and said, like, this is what I do as a virtual, you know, PT, physio. And you can still do all of these things virtually and this person yeah. can still feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of avenues, right, that people can take. And I think that what we know and learn about pregnant and postpartum bodies and people is just evolving so quickly that it's really important to find someone who is up to date with the information that they're sharing with you and um and that you trust too yeah and that you trust yeah because ultimately you and I have both met people who have great trust in their care provider and they even though we may disagree with what they've been told that person right. likes that person, so they're going to keep going and seeing them. And I think that there's yeah. some value to doing that because they they have that built relationship. Yeah. 
can we talk about some of the like common myths that we hear <laughs> from our clients about postpartum, you know, whether it's prolapse or incontinence or diastasis. So what's one of the most common things that you hear? About postpartum? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, I just, I think that, I don't know, maybe I just attract people who don't maybe hear the myths or believe in the myths. I haven't heard a lot of, a lot of myths postpartum, I think in a while, but mostly just like the timeline thing, right? Like Mm, have to wait, wait. must wait till six weeks postpartum. Like how soon can I, how soon can I start getting back into exercise? And really you can start as soon as you want to. It's like, as soon as your body, as soon as you feel ready, go for it. Yeah, yeah, like let's start reconnecting with that pelvic floor as soon as you give birth, if you want to. I mean, yeah. you don't have to. I tried that with my second because I was, again, afraid of my prolapse getting worse. And so I was like, I must start doing this. <laughs> and I really couldn't till about two weeks postpartum. It took a lot longer for whatever reason. And yeah. every time I tried, it would induce more pain. So it's also like recognize that you might be excited to get back to it, but your body may say, nope, not right now. And that's yeah. okay. You can still, there's no like harm in waiting if that feels better for you either. Yeah. Um, and no harm in trying, right? No harm in trying. Yeah, that's, I would try every few days or mm-hmm. I, actually, I think I tried every day and then I eventually found it comfortable in certain positions, but not others. So I focused yeah. on those. Um, but yeah. one of the things that we, one of the myths that we hear is like things like, okay, leaking is a part of motherhood or Oh, yeah. That with prolapse, for example, you can't run or jump again or, you know, you can't do crunches yeah. with with diastasis. Like, do you have clients who are scared to do those things and need that kind of yes. d- discussion on, like, yes, it's okay? Yeah. 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 Thanks for refreshing my memory. I have had some conversations recently. The uh, Yeah. Somebody still brings up. The, the beautiful thing about group classes is people bring their ideas and um, myth stories to class. And I think you and I are doing a good job of creating a culture where those myths are busted all the time. So mm-hmm. when someone does say, oh, I don't worry, I'll just pee a little bit while I'm doing that set of stairs. And then everybody else in the group says, we don't have to, you know, like... Oh yeah, I used to be like that, but then I did this and yes. and now it's gone, right? So supporting yeah. one another through that. Yeah, even like the if you if you lift heavy weights, you're going to make your prolapse worse. I heard yes. the other day. <laughs> yeah, which isn't. I mean, so I true. don't know. We I had a conversation this morning like what is worse? Who decides who decides what worse is? How do we quantify that's that. why I liked um I liked Anthony Lowe's like women's I forget how he phrases it because it always sounds better when he says it but it's yeah. like women's health is more than vaginas so it's like okay maybe your prolapse you're saving your prolapse by not lifting weights but like how about your bones your joints like the rest of your body and your mental health yeah, yeah saving um, a woman's vagina is not promoting women's health or something yes like that, right? yeah it's exactly yeah. it's something like that and it's it's so true, right? It's like we are not one isolated part of our body. So let's honor like the whole whole big picture of like who you are and what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I are both of the same understanding that like if if we just got stronger, 
Like, let's find out where we're at and let's just strengthen that whole body, not just the pelvic floor, not just the TA. Like, let's strengthen the body in all the way and all the planes of motion and just build up that weight and load and load and load until you're able to do all the things that you want to do. Like, yes. Yeah, I have a client who she's amazing. She's very strong and she has like a very minor diastasis, but minor in terms of the size, but for her, it's a major issue so it's like yeah. her her viewpoint um but she was doing really well and then she was seeing a she'd seen a pelvic pt and was told like she wasn't activating her inner core properly which is what was causing the diocese and you know then there's this mist she's really strong she can do i i had thought based on her you know description that like i'd have to start with easier exercises and i'm giving to her i'm like that doesn't look hard enough let's add more let's add yeah. more and she can do really decently advanced exercises and but inside she's still like oh I'm doing it wrong I'm like you're doing it right but you know we don't we're not robots where we have to like activate this one microsecond before like our body just does that naturally if it's going to and if it moves in a different way and it's functional for you it's okay yeah we talked about that in class yesterday like having tension to task right like we don't need to worry about squeezing your bum, lifting your pelvic floor, engaging your TA to lift up your kid. If you just go to lift up your kid and it's fine, right? Like there might be a time and a place where maybe you need some strategies around picking up your kid or standing up. But if you're able to do those things and they feel good for you, we don't need to worry about all. Yeah, just just do it. it. Move normally. trust, right? Trust that your body is doing what it needs to do to do the things. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I feel like that's a recurring theme is like building that that trust and self-confidence in yourself and that you know that your body mm-hmm. innately knows what's right for it. You know, I always think about this like when we were kids, like it's not like we would ever do something to intentionally harm ourselves. We're not like going to, yeah, we're not going to do that. So yeah, somehow we have a child and we should still know that we're not going to do anything to harm ourselves. Even if you lift a heavy bag of groceries, that's not harming you. Does it feel difficult? Sure. Maybe causes you some back pain. So maybe you need to do it differently. But it doesn't mean that it's always a sign that you're being harmed. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like, like maybe our bodies are smart. Pain. We're not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? we're not, we're, 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 we seek to avoid discomfort and pain as, as humans. We're not going to like attract that on purpose our bodies Uh, always take the path of least resistance right and maybe if you're feeling things it's because you haven't done it right like somebody said oh my neck gets sore when I do sit-ups well how often do you do (laughs) sit-ups maybe your neck is sore because you don't do (laughs) sit-ups and it's it's like yeah maybe it's weak and needs time to strengthen in that movement yeah I know it's um I think that generally speaking it's so refreshing to you know, connect with professionals who are like you uh, and I who are empowering people to just trust their bodies and get strong and have fun with movement mm-hmm. um, so that they are not held back just because they chose to have a child or because they had a child. Right. Or because they have a baby on the inside, right? Like we all have to oh, live our God. lives, right? We all have to be able to sit down. We all pick things up off the floor all the time. Let's just empower people to do those things. <laughs> I know. If you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds really simple. It kind of is. And yeah. we tend to, in 
kind of the medical healthcare, we tend to overcomplicate everything. And this is one of those things that, you know, as a physiotherapist, and I'm sure doctors can attest to, attest to this as well, people come to see you because they have problems. So you automatically start to assume that everything in front of you is a problem right. because you're like, well, why would you come to me if you didn't have a problem, right? And but the problem is, you know, you might see somebody come up and you're not even waiting to hear them out. You're not waiting to see what their issues are. So you just assume, oh, their neck is twisted, so they must have neck issues. And they don't actually. Right. But you're planting the seed that, oh, your, your posture is bad. Let's, <laughs> let's fix that. So you're planting the seed that there are some things to be fixed. And the same thing happens with internal pelvic, you know, pelvic PT is like, oh, you have a bit of prolapse or tension here when the person may have never had any reports of having issues there is we have to be we kind of have to keep in mind that not everybody in front of us is a problem (laughs) yeah or like not every movement pattern is a problem right like if this person squats sits down a certain way and it's working for them cool (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be textbook perfect because who decided what that perfect was (laughs) exactly um and you know I see my kids like I always think it's funny with squats like both of my kids squat very differently Mm -hmm. and they're both doing it fine pain-free perfect but it's just they're very different and like from childhood they're different so as adults now we can't go back to being all uniform because we have been different from when we were born and we have to embrace that type of movement that our body seeks and it feels good doing yeah yeah very true um I wanted to ask you a few questions about yourself and so you know this is our final thoughts and it's all about getting to know you in a different level and what can you tell me some of your favorite books podcasts things that you like to kind of consume it doesn't have to be related Mm -hmm. to fitness but it can be if it yeah I tend to go on like phases where I listen to lots of uh, professional development stuff and then go into other things. Um, So a book I recently got into that I really enjoyed was Think Again by Adam Grant, just all about learning about like, yeah, thought processes and how the way that we think affects what we do and how we interact with others and shapes our beliefs and our opinions. It's a fascinating book. Um, And then podcasts, I have been listening to a lot of Glennon Doyle's podcasts lately about, mm. yeah, doing what you need, finding your your journey, your path. Yeah. Love I'm it. That one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely a book that I want to read. Um, I have a stock of books that I, <laughs> one, two, three, four, probably about nine, ten books that I need to read first before I buy any new books audio or real books I know. Um, yeah. but that's on my list I know it's so hard honestly I know it's like you have kids you have business it's just like trying to fit in those things that you still enjoy yeah. but aren't as big a priority maybe at the time is yeah. tough yeah so that sure. brings me to what are three things that you try to do for yourself every day um every day I like to move my body and some exercise in some way shape or form every day so some days that's like a strength workout some days that's more of cardio some days that's just getting outside for a walk um yeah I what else do I like to do I try to I'm trying to drink more water every day so be more aware because I know that (laughs) when I drink more water (laughs) yeah me too some days it's better than others but I know that 
everything just seems to function better when I drink yeah. more water. And then another thing is eating regularly. I don't know if you're like this. Like I tend to just like head down working, working or busy doing things. And then I forget to eat. Um, not forget mm-hmm. to eat. Like I know I'm hungry. I just don't make time for it. So I'm, I'm trying Sometimes trying I don't even recognize that I'm hungry because I'm so busy concentrating. Right? And I've actually put a, into my schedule my put a lunch hour and yeah. I honor maybe like 20 minutes of that maybe you know not every day either but I feel like it's such a common mom thing yeah and I think it's it's not healthy for us to skip no. meals like that but we all do it and it's like trying to find ways to just like have a quick meal um to keep your body fueled I know yeah. I'm working on that too I've been finding like um, Costco seem they have these like pre-made pasta and quinoa salads that are really delicious. So I just Ooh. buy those. They have like chickpeas in them already, and so I can just amazing just add some spinach to that. So it's easy because if it takes work, then that's when it yeah. also gets kind of left to the side. So I know because it lunch is my least favorite meal of the day for sure, totally. and I usually try to do leftovers. If but if but then we save leftovers for the next night now, so it's like. I know. I'm with you. I like that Costco idea, though, getting just like a big salad with chickpeas and with protein and everything wrapped up so you just can grab and go. I mean, yeah, we're getting into fall. You could just make a big soup. Soup. Well, and that's what we tend to do with dinners. So Mm. we have like dinner for two nights or three nights or whatnot. And then lunch ends up being like sandwiches or random stuff. So what did I eat today? Hmm. I had... Mm. Annie's craft dinner. Yeah. And I'm I'm supposed to be avoiding dairy because it doesn't oh. <laughs> sit well with me. But I was like, this is quick. And I threw in some green peas. I could like, oh, this is delicious. Stuff. I know. Yeah. Okay. So what is something that you have been into lately that you're passionate about? Mm, I have been working on building a network in Kingston for bringing pregnancy and postpartum people together. So collaboration is something that's really important to me because I, I don't believe that we are always the best fit to work with people. And, but I really do believe that if we can work together as professionals and help people find the right fit for them and know even what resources are out there, like how do I even know what so-and-so down the street is doing, you know? So we're trying to create a network in Kingston, an area where all of the professionals who provide services for pregnant and postpartum people are working together and creating this team atmosphere. So that's something I've been plugging away at lately. So cool. And I think it's amazing that you do do that. And I feel like you are like the epitome of collaboration and you really bring out the strengths in people, which I think is amazing. Um, and the world needs more of that. And I think it's it's such a useful thing in, in your area. Where Which area is that? Uh, Kingston, so Ontario. How big is the like, network, I guess? Like what areas does it encompass? Yeah, so we just said Kingston and area. So kind of Kingston, okay. Napanee. Yeah, just close to Kingston. All around that. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. And Jamie, how can listeners reach you with questions, comments, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they can email me. Um, all the contact information for me actually is on my website. That's probably easier. So it's just jstrakerfitness.com. I'm um, also on Instagram is probably the 
best way to reach me on social media. Again, it's the same handle. It's J Straker Fitness. Um, yeah. Didn't you go famous on TikTok too? Uh, I was at one point. I don't know. I tend to go in spurts on there too. I haven't recorded a video in a long time. But anyway, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> same, same handle. You're on all of it. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. Jamie, what, is, what would you say is your mom's strength? Oh gosh, you asked me this. What did I even say? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I uh, what did I what did I put on the form? I'm gonna read it out. So Jamie said, "I don't want to say I do it all because I don't believe in that, but I think the ability to be there for my littles, provide for them, and support them while still striving for my best self and carving out time for the oh. things that make me happy, which has looked different at different times in my motherhood journey." But I think it's important for our littles to see us setting goals, working towards them, crushing them, learning, growing, and continuing to not only be a mom, but be our own version of their mom. Isn't that yes. beautiful? That's, I was going to say, you wrote that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> see, that was much better than I could have spewed out to you right now. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's hard to, and it depends on the person. I'm much better, like, if somebody asked me, I can speak better. But if somebody like sent me an email, I'd be like, oh, I have to think about the perfect thing and it would take me forever. So <laughs> this is why I have it in both ways. But I think I like ending with that because I think it's so important that we focus on our strengths, not our weaknesses, because yes. we all have both. And we really build on on those strengths and know that we are the best moms for our kids. We are the best we're doing our best every single day and that we are all working in a time where we don't have we haven't had that example of motherhood set for us where the moms are taking care of themselves and are happy and fulfilled and we are the first generation really to be doing that mm-hmm. uh, and i see it across the board across you know all of my friends and colleagues and clients you know we're all changing changing what it means to be a mother um and i think that's amazing So So if you are listening to this and you enjoy this episode, please give it a like, um, leave a comment or a review so we can hear, um, hear how you enjoyed it and go give Jamie a follow, um, and share this episode with anyone who you think would benefit from hearing it. Thanks again, Jamie, for coming on and spending your time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.